0: Welcome to Healing You, Healing Me with Anna Daniels Omomaro. I'm Anna, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to offer you another episode full of inspiration, motivation, and encouragement. So join me as we delve into our topic for today's episode. Welcome to Healing You, Healing Me. This is Anna Daniels Omamaro, your host, and I am very glad that you're here. So this is part two of Who Has Jennifer Ann, and I'm so very excited and just extremely happy to um, bring you part two of this story with Jennifer. This is one of the most amazing adoption stories that I've ever heard. Um, The twists and turns that happen as a result of finding out that she was adopted is just beyond anything that I have imagined, really. It's almost like a TV script. So without further ado, I'd like to reintroduce you to Jennifer Ferguson. If you will welcome her to Healing You, Healing Me. And just to give you a recap of where we left off last week, um, Jennifer found out that she was adopted at 25 years old, and it was not a secret that was supposed to be shared with her. However, in fooling around with her godbrother, just having a conversation, he kind of let the cat out of the bag, and that one slip up changed her life for the course of the next 40 years. So help me welcome Jennifer Ferguson back to the show. Yay, Jennifer! Welcome back to Healing You, Healing Me. And um, Thank you. so how are you feeling? You've had a week to reflect on the things that we talked about, your feelings, et cetera, et cetera. How are you feeling? Well, I'm good. Uh, it was very, my children's input, because they didn't, I mean, they knew I was adopted, but they never knew the depth, the story of how everything happened. Uh, So it's it's, it's coming along. So during this whole time, over the course of the 40 years, from the time, because for those of you who listened last week, Jennifer had two children by the time she found out she was adopted. So over the course of the last 40 years, and in the course of you finding out you know, at 25 that you were adopted, the children never knew the entire story? They knew I was adopted. They knew that my adopted mother and I struggled. Mm-hmm. They knew a girl, but they never knew the dynamics and detail of what all happened. Wow. They knew. To come out uh, she was definitely their favorite oh, wow, oh my goodness, This is such an intricate story, like there are so many layers and parts in this story because once you found out, I'm sure that your relationship with your biological mother just really became more enhanced because of the love that you had had for her for the first 25 years of your life. Would you say that were true? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, But the tickler to that part of the story was we had such a genuine love for each other, but my biological mother always insisted on me being respectful of my adoptions
0: they are thinking about when I met you, by the time I met you, I was about 24 years old when I met you. And um, I was Aunt Ella's, Aunt Ella was, I was her only niece. She was the, the aunt that had all the girls and everybody else had boys. So I was her only niece. And what's unfortunate about our relationship was that we had only seen each other two times. Um, And the second time, or maybe three times, and the second time that I saw her was when I met you. And I remember, I didn't know anything about your story, but I remember hearing you call her in in your your Charleston voice, Mama! (laughs) And I just, I... I'm thinking back now to when I finally learned your story and because at that point I had questions because I knew that Laura was your mom and and I just needed clarity because there were a lot of things about this side of the family that I did not know. So um, I don't know. This is just such a story. So let's go back to um, where we left off from last week. The last thing that we talked about was the fact that you were getting ready, you were preparing to go meet Ella. Ella had sent you a plane ticket and you um, left the children to fly to Boston to meet her. Tell me about when you arrived at the airport. Were you nervous? Were you afraid? Were you happy, unhappy? What in the world were you feeling? Okay.
1: I don't think I was nervous because I'm going to see my favorite aunt, which just happens to be my mother, which just happened to make me happy. So, the nervousness wasn't on my side. The nervousness was on. My
2: biological
0: mother said, uh... You just seem to be taking this whole news, this, this whole entire scenario of your life, you just seem to be taking this whole thing in stride. Like, you know, we've all watched TV and seen people who discovered that they were adopted and there was the hysterics and the crying and the screaming. And you are just taking this whole thing with this huge smile on your face like this is the best thing that's ever happened to you. How are you in this mindset?
1: Well, the thing is, when you try the best that you can all of your life, I've always been an A student. I've always been an honor student. I've always listened to my parents. I wasn't a bad kid. Um, and I think as a child, I did just about everything a parent wanted their child to do. So because that, it was still always a problem with my adopted mother and I, you know, so there was
2: stress mm-hmm. my entire,
1: mm-hmm. um, when I became, the bond that we had was not easy to be broken as far as, it was almost like a relief to know that she wasn't my mother because she always had a problem. With things that I did it Now I could have seen if I was a problem child or if I didn't get good grades and this and that. It wasn't that. And uh, when I was 16 and pregnant,
0: she made me get married. You just keep adding more and more to this story. So wait a second, because this is a new piece of information. So, at 16, you got pregnant. In the 70s, you were adopted. You were your adopted parent's only child. You lived in a middle-class neighborhood, pretty well off. So, this was definitely not a part of the expectation for the path your life should take. You just really had a big complication. Um... Okay, so we're, we're going to, we're, yeah, let, let's shelve that part for a second and we'll go back to that because that's, that's pretty huge. Um, let, let's talk about when you finally got to Boston and met with Ella. Who initiated the conversation and how did the conversation go in terms of learning the truth about your identity, the fact that she was your mom, the fact that she gave you up, making sure that your feelings were okay, Tell me about that. (laughs) Well,
1: like I said, I had a drink on the plane. Mm -hmm. And when I, I I think my biological mother had had that was drinks. I'll check that. It was her favorite drink. And um, I could tell she was nervous. That was the first time I had ever been with her and seen such a nervousness. So because we always had. light mm-hmm.
0: to this particular family? Was this Ellis' choice? How did she arrive at this decision? Well, her mother had shared with
1: her that you know she had a friend. Uh, but I'm sure that she knew of my adopted mother because of the relationship that my adopted mother had with my biological grandmother, Mary, sure. and my aunts. So... They were, they were pretty. The three of them were pretty because my biological and my biological mother's two sisters. All of them were, were integrated together. So it was more or less like you know here's somebody that can't have children. Here's someone that is well off. Um, here's someone that's a friend, a family. So
0: why not? Okay. Why not? So how did Ella feel um, talking to you about this? Did did she find relief at some point, unburdening herself of this big secret that she had held for twenty five years? What what was her what was her stance? I think her stance was
1: nervousness. Not wanting to have one more person judge her. Not wanting one more person to have an opinion about that they probably didn't know anything about. So a lot of things that she could have said, she didn't have to say. Right. Because it's just the the bond that we had. Um, And then I I didn't want her to be stressed out like that. You know, I've already been married and divorced and I... I just didn't, I knew, I did, I did not know all the dynamics, but I really didn't want her to go into all the dynamics. It, it wasn't important because I felt in my spirit it had to be something pretty
0: bad. You know what I'm saying? I just really think that it's remarkable of you to not have any malice in your heart. Like, I really can't even get past that. That It's such a remarkable thing that you did not hold malice in your heart against her because even though you had the material things that you wanted, you had all of your needs met, you had most of your wants met. You didn't want for anything really. You know, I remember the last time we spoke, you talked about how you told your dad you wanted a house, a big house. And so he bought the land next to the house you were living in and decided to build you a real life house. So, you know, at that day and age, to be able to have those types of um adventures in your life that became real life things, things that that. Adults wanted, but could not capture or gain for themselves. It, it's amazing to me that even in the midst of all of your wants being met, there was still an emotional lack with your adopted mother. And you were still able to forego being angry with your biological mother. Like that is truly I don't know. It just speaks to the type of person that you are and and your ability to forgive, really, and not hold a grudge, you know? I think it has a lot to do with one living a very sheltered
1: life, Mm -hmm. like, Single lives, and I had to raise children on their own and stuff like that. You know, I would maybe I had in that was different, but because my biological mother was and my adopted grandmother, and my adopted father were my love support. You know, um, don't get me wrong. I, I know without a doubt my adopted mother loved me. I just know she did not like me for whatever reason. I think there are things that I'll never know of of why. Um, I think I figured out some things, but, you know, not all. Um, I believe that because my grandmother, my adopted grandmother, had such...
0: So, you all sat down, had this conversation. Now, in the first episode that we did together, we talked about the fact that your adopted mother, Ella, had three children before you that you were number four in line. So, where are the other children? Did they know about you? And what was your relationship with them? Because there was a daughter and two sons before you, correct? Correct. So, especially the daughter, what was her relationship like with you? What was her interpretation (laughs) of what happened? Was she accepting of you? How difficult was that relationship?
1: Well, (laughs) my oldest sister is one of a kind.
0: She's special. She is. She's special. (laughs) Very, very, very. Yes. So for her, it was just... Now, Now let me ask you a question. Did she know before you knew? We talked about the people in the South that knew, but did your siblings know? Well,
1: my oldest brother knew, and my oldest sister knew. <laughs> my oldest sister, see, we were taught as cousins, so um, I, uh, I, um, she never got a chance to play with me because she was the one that you couldn't shut up. I'm not going to play with my sister and not
0: tell her. my sister. I'm all lost. I'm So if you don't want me to tell her, do not have me around because I'm not doing it. So I get to have a relationship with her. Release and whatever. And this so- thing is so far reaching. So basically, even though you guys were taught to that you were cousins and that you were related in that mysterious southern connection that you know everybody that's close friends usually call themselves cousins she was not allowed right. to really play with you for fear that she would let the cat out of the bag before it was time it, wasn't a- <laughs> it was a real life wow wow, sister, and there a- wow. So, you know they cut, they got cut her out to a question early. Wow. So were the other siblings accepting of you? No, it it's it's beyond looking so much like you are the spitting image of your biological mother. It's like there's no telling where she ended and you began. That's how much you look like her. Correct. Right.
1: So it it takes some getting used to. <laughs>
0: It's so funny. You look more like her than any of the kids that were raised by her. It says if I have no father. It says if you have no father. Exactly right. So let me ask you this and this is going to be a rather difficult question perhaps but let's just cut to the chase. Everybody is feeling so flowery and happy and like, we're walking on clouds, and this is just the greatest thing, and, you know, life is grand, but you have to be able to say to me, Anna, in all actuality, although this was really grand, this really screwed me up emotionally, mentally, When did you get to that point? Because up to now, you are just so forgiving and you're so accepting and you just love everybody. It's like the flower children in, you know, running through a field. We're all holding hands and running and picking roses. And this really is not a rosy situation. So at what point did this start smelling like boo-boo? I don't know, for me, just hearing you explain that and her wanting to take the back seat to stepping into a motherly role towards you, it kind of leads me to two questions. And they go in sort of different directions, so we'll take them however you'd like. But the first question it leads me to is in the course of our last two discussions, this discussion and our last discussion, you have never said that you found out who your biological father was. So number one, it leads me to question whether or not her desire to remain with that whole false relationship was based on the fact that she still had secrets that needed to be kept. Or, number two, that she felt like she needed to protect everybody but herself. Or, as I'm talking now, number three is that she really didn't desire to be your mother at all. And she really just wanted to take the easy way out. Is it some of one, two, and three? Is it all of one, two, and three? Is it a little bit of two? one? Of th- I mean, what what is your feeling about her responsibility to you and her responsibility to everybody else? Why do you feel like she did not want to accept that role? I think it was more of number two.
1: She was more concerned about everybody else's feelings. And the fallout, you know, um, and and I'm, I think I'm at a fault sometimes of wanting
0: to protect other people's feelings more than I care about protecting mine. Absolutely.
1: I, yeah, I believe that that's the rule she took. She took, she wanted to stand by what she did, which was, was give me up for adoption
0: give me a option. And yes. Hey guys, hold on for a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. So basically it seems as though she was really interested in protecting everybody else's feelings. And it seems to me that she had, just listening to what you've disclosed, it seemed that she had a very big concern about protecting your biological mother and her feelings. What's your take on that? Because what was their relationship like given... One of the things that we talked about the last time was the whole colorism thing in your biological family. The fact that your mother was the dark-skinned child and everybody else was light, fair-skinned. So she was, as she stated... Of her own, on her own, that she was the black sheep of the family. So what, what is your feeling about her desire to be so protective of your adopted mom? What's your stance on that?
2: mom and all reality i think she was really being protective
1: of my adopted dad now why maybe because he was just a nice guy and you know i don't know but i never saw them with like big friends you know what i'm saying yeah Um, my and my biological mother um
0: For me, there's a little bit of wonder because, unless it's just something that you haven't said in the course of our conversation, what made her think that you wanted her to just become her mother anyway? Was it because she knew the history with you and your adopted mother and the feelings and the discord and, you know, what gave her that that thought that you would just want her to X out your adopted mother and, and roll right into being this wonderful, glorious mother? Like I told you, she
2: was a fight nurse,
1: my biological mother. To come with, so, right. you know, this is what she did. <laughs> Boy, I love me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think in her heart, that my adopted
2: mother was a very difficult personality person, Mm -hmm. but I think she that her intentions were good. Her approach probably
1: wasn't, but her intentions uh, were good. I believe that my biological mother believed that she owed... Mm -hmm.
2: I'm not quite sure how that works, Mm -hmm. but...
1: father was
2: somehow my father. That's what I always thought. And 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 to me that would have explained the dislike.
0: Right. That, you know. It's funny you should say that because as I'm sitting here, you know, thinking and listening to what you're saying, I am really I find myself just really deeply trying to understand everybody's feelings from their perspective perspective is a hell of a thing and if you are able to step into someone else's place and see things from their vantage point it gives you a level of compassion that you would not have if you were not able to step into their shoes and so i'm just sitting here thinking about your adopted mother and to hear you say, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, like you, what would make her not like a kid? I mean, you were a cute kid. You had these big cheeks that were just so adorable. Um, you were loving towards people that you met. You weren't shy. So everybody genuinely liked you as a kid. But for some reason, she could not find that connection with you. And so sitting here listening to you, it's funny that you should say that you thought your biological father was your real father. Because over the years, that too has been my thought. Um, And perhaps, you know, Ella, your adopted mom, had a sense of guilt, if in fact this were true that they had an affair and you were the product of their affair that ella had such a sense of guilt that she felt like she owed that respect to your adopted mom now let me just put this disclaimer out there these are speculations of a kid these are speculations of a woman who for 25 years did not know who her real parents were this is in no way regarded as truth these again are simply speculations You know, human nature is that we really try to figure out why things fit together the way that they do. And it's very difficult to understand how a woman, who for all intents and purposes is designed to be the nurturer, doesn't know how to nurture a child who so willingly gives love. And so, in our human frailty, you know, in our human minds, we always look for the biggest reason that can possibly explain away the level of pain that somebody else inflicts upon you because of their own shortcomings. And so that's a huge thing to offer as a reason why she couldn't love you. And it really would explain everything away enough for you to be able to accept her disdain for you at times because now you can see, well, gosh, that really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, and at that time, I did not know the entire story of the child that she had lost. Okay. As
1: fell into a terminal terminal of bad feelings Mm -hmm. um, and then worked ourselves back to each other there still was not understanding of why don't you really like me anytime I would come over and be close to my dad my adopted father as um coming over to visit she would always find something to create friction so I would want to leave and not spend my own time with him that was another reason why I thought he was my biological father because you never wanted me to be alone with him you know as an adult so wow. I know what he knew you know and and that's what I say, and this is why I'm doing Secrets are just not cool. They're just not. Because the domino effect that I went through of knowing and not knowing at the same time almost put me back in in, in, a, in a place of, okay, what's really happening here? You know, it should not have bothered me that much that my my biological mother took the safest route for her, and she thought for me to keep the relationship. Yeah, I think all of her mom and all that, and I could tell people, but she didn't want me to overdo it. She figured that was the safest route. But what she didn't realize that that safe route put me in a bad place because I was ecstatic that your mom. And you're ecstatic to be protective of all these people that didn't do a lot for you. You know, they they painted bad picture of you when they could. They uh, they they weren't nice about you, about her. And, and I didn't understand why she wanted to be so protective about them. That's why I still say there probably are some secrets out there that I'm
0: not ever going to know. No. All right, so here's the most obvious question Who's your father?
1: I was told that my biological mother's husband, Mr.
0: Goldman,
2: was my dad.
0: Now, this Thank would be you. the same man who was in Europe when your mom, when your mom, and I don't mean to laugh, when but it's a little comical. So this was the same man that had taken his mistress to Europe when he was in the service, in the military. And so he was in Europe when you were conceived, but you were told that this was your dad. Well, so he said, now,
1: my biological mother said, he was there long enough to conceive before he left. Mm -hmm. That's,
2: That's
0: track everybody down oh my gosh so how old were you when you met mr govan I, <laughs> why are you laughing tell me tell me what the laughter is about he was funny because
1: when i called him i said hi how are you and he said i'm fine i said well i'm Jennifer. i am uh, Yeah. you're trying to save face or something or you know he was like you know I'm just really really
0: sorry I'm like
2: (laughs) so what what was
0: he apologizing for what is he sorry for he he was apologizing for hurting my
1: mother he was apologizing for not believing that I was his he was apologizing for taking
0: the other lady you know I'm like I asked you one one question and so how how long after you spoke with Ella did you connect with Mr. Govan mm, a couple of months okay so oh. it was it was within the same time frame within three months or so yeah okay and
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Again. Mm-hmm. For real. Mm-hmm. And here we are. You know. Wow. And she looked at as like if you lie to her and tell her
0: that she is not your job, I'm gonna do something really bad to you. For real, for real. Now, um, let me let me ask you this question. And and I'm asking you this from my vantage point. Because once I met you shortly thereafter, I met Mr. Govair. And the the moment that I met him, I said to myself, this is not your daddy. (laughs) And listen, I'm not a geneticist. I am not, you know, I, I don't have a medical degree, but there are just some things that you only need your two eyes to confirm for you. And when Mr. Govan walked into your house and was introduced as, you know, this is my daddy, I was like, the hell?
2: (laughs) No, he's not. (laughs) And and, and honestly, I really think he said
0: he was my dad because he just wanted to make peace. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that was the easiest route to peace. All right. Now, I need to interject this question because we know that Ella had seven children that we know of for certain. So you are number four. And to add just a little more spice to this pot of stew we're cooking, there was a child that came how many years after you? Because there there wasn't that much time between. You guys are very close in age. All right, so what's interesting to me, and people, of course, won't know this until we explain, George was also, your brother was also given up for adoption. Who was he given to?
1: Well, see, now that's where the the twist differs. I'm the only one that was adopted. My brother, George, was was given away
0: a family member and um, of your of Ella's of your biological uh, mother uh, right my Rivadell, right cousin oh. but Rivadell's parents your 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 biological aunt and uncle your grand aunt and uncle actually but the twist with your brother is that he was never formally adopted by your aunt and uncle He was just raised by your aunt and uncle. So your mother retained parental rights for him. When did he find out? Because what what I find so very fascinating about that piece of the story is of all seven of you, children one through three look like Mr. Govan. They resemble him in body structure, facial features, etc., You and brother, child number five, you are four and the child number five, who is your brother after you, look like Ella spit you out. Neither one of you can begin any place other than where she ends. That's how much you look like her. And then children six and seven resemble their father and their people. So what I find is so fascinating is from my vantage point, there is no way that your father, whoever he is, is not your brother's father too. Because you guys look too much alike for there to be different. And and I'm saying that because Ella's genes were not so strong. It was important to point out that Children 1 through 3 look like their father. Then you and your brother, number 4 and 5, look exactly like your mother. And then 6 and 7 look like their father. So when did you find out about brother number 5, about child number 5, who was your brother, who was your third brother?
1: Barbara, I knew about Anne. I knew about Mary. So she was like, "Well, you have two other brothers. You have um, Alfonso, and you have
0: George." Alfonso at the time was in prison. Okay. she came to Cupid. Okay. So Cupid, as um, in Cupid, the Valentine Cupid. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole uh, other yeah. story. That's another podcast. <laughs> Is how far from where you grew up? Thirty minutes from where I live. Thirty minutes. So all this yeah. time you did not know that there was a biological brother, thirty minutes up the road from you, literally up the road. So
1: I tracked him down. Of course, you did.
0: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, now, have I they know. kept in touch? Had she been in touch with him throughout his life, like she was with you? Yeah, yeah. And and out. what did he think of her as Aunt Ella as well? You I never asked him. I think he always knew though she was his mother. I'm, I'm almost positive that he always knew okay. that that was his mother because oh, now he was raised by his aunt and uncle. Right. So
1: I I think he pretty much knew that that was.
0: Okay. Um, Got it.
1: Yeah. So when I um, went to look for him, there's a little place called the Grease Trap.
0: Mm -hmm. A little hole in all club of gathering place where neighborhood people all get together. Neighborhood people. That's good. (laughs)
1: trap, and then there's a, you go out on this road, and, um, all these little trailers and houses, a little community, little mini-community, so anyway, I went to the grease trap, and I told them that I was looking for a gentleman by the name of George Daniels, so they all looked at me like, really, like, who are you? But they're looking at Because right. they look a lot. Right. So that I save in Grace, because had I not looked like him, I probably would have seen him at that
0: day. Mm-hmm. Because they, mm-hmm.
1: you know, oh you? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, you're looking at me like I got two heads. Do you or do you not know him? And they're like, this one guy was like, well, we call him Wahoo.
0: Okay, that's fine. <laughs>
1: Right. yeah I got a big sister, you know, but yeah, you know. It took him a minute to kind of warm up because he's not a very emotional type person. Yeah. You know, he he be a you know, logic and, you know, all that other good stuff. Me on the other hand, I'm Mrs. Mushcourt I like to hug, I like to kiss, I like emotion, you know, all those things. So, you know, I had to kinda of lure him. In that loud thing type thing, so I'm like, well, you know, I want us to keep in touch, and I, I want us to have a relationship, I want us to be cool, you know, and he was like, yeah, he was like, so, mom knows that, you know, I'm like, I mean, I, she didn't know, I know, he was like, well, you just never know with this kind of stuff, you know
0: what I'm saying, I thought anybody could have told you, no
1: wow. so like, yeah, she know. so he was like, okay we'll just take it from here, and that's what we did.
0: Wow. Now he's my precious, precious brother that do not play up with him because that's my heart strength.
1: You know, as we communicated over the months and the years and stuff like that, you know, um, it was hard for him to say, I love you. <laughs> I learned that for him, like, <laughs> you know, Wow. my dude you know wow okay sis i'm gonna need a little bit more and i'm gonna need a little bit more than okay sis i'm gonna need that you know you love me too and he was like well sis i you know i do i, I i'm gonna need the words okay i do need them so now you trying to be funny um for but you know you have to be funny he'll get yeah, you'll say first okay sis i love you i'm like you know what I
0: remember when you couldn't say that. So now you first man in the boat now a lot of think that's cool, you know. So yeah. Um, I tell you yeah. what, this this story has so many twists and turns, um, that it is just unbelievable to me. And what I still take away from this, even listening to what we've discussed today, what I still take away from this is I am fascinated that you were able to take it all in stride. But what I really want to talk about, and we're at the end of our time today, but what I want to talk about in the next episode is the changes in your life that happened as a result of you taking it all in stride. And I'll be really honest. Um, it's it's very surprising to me that you um, were so loving and so forgiving. I keep going back to that because I think about, and I guess for me, you know, I think about the fact that I know personally, I saw the interaction between you and your adopted mom. I saw firsthand, once we met each other and became close, I saw firsthand the pain that that relationship caused you. And what I am realizing now after this conversation is that you really sacrificed some of the truth about how you felt to make sure that everybody around you who initiated this situation, who took part in this situation, who kept these secrets from you. You did a lot in terms of sacrificing of self to make sure that everybody remained comfortable and fluid. And by fluid, I mean not stuck in one place, but able to move and and just keep moving. And during our next episode, I definitely want to talk about what that sacrifice cost you. I want you to be able to explain, especially for women, I want you to be able to explain what that sacrifice cost you, what it cost your family, what it, what it continues to cost you even today mentally, and how you have really still maintained positivity in the midst of such turmoil. Cause this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. Uh, the next podcast will probably be the most difficult one for me yeah. because the re-
1: not a safe place for me that's where I'm at it's it's nice to you know understand everything that happened it's nice to accept everything that has happened but it's not nice to feel some of the things that I felt when the domino effect
2: started
0: absolutely absolutely Uh absolutely
2: And join this
0: podcast. Right. And, so, and I didn't even know you were going to make that announcement. So, what I love about that announcement is that now, beside me getting on your nerves about being true <laughs> to completing the book, now you have to do right. it because you've already told to. people that it's coming. And I I just want to say one thing before we close. I just want to say one thing about being stuck. You know, when we are so careful to take care of other people and not very careful about taking care of ourselves, we get caught in a place that's very difficult to move from. And in this particular place, it's very difficult to navigate for yourself because you have always removed yourself from the equation. And everybody else and their stuff have been the pieces and the parts of the puzzle that you've moved around to make fit. And really, your, your pieces and your puzzle are a whole separate puzzle on their own that you have to figure out how to bring together and complete so that you are able to move from a place of being stuck and you can have the fluid motion that you have so selfish, selflessly given to other people. Yes, they help me a lot because I'm able to release truth in my version of truth. Right. It may not be the truth. Well, Maybe for you it is true. true. For you it, it is, is true. true. And and what people, yeah, what people don't realize in about mind. right. What people don't realize about the truth is that there is always a version of the truth, and your truth may not be. Completely colored the way my truth is, but everybody's truth comes from their own perspective. Right. Fascinating, and that's definitely going to be a part of... <laughs> I'll tell you something. When we first talked about doing this podcast six months ago, um, me and my silly self thought that we would do an episode that would be a an hour, and then it would be done. And what I did not realize in being naive about this story and helping to pull apart all the layers is that this is sort of a freedom walk for you this is a setting free for you of your own um self of yourself of of finding yourself and discovering the safety in your own self-care that doesn't mean that you don't take care of everybody else But that means that you are coming into the realization that if you don't care for you first, there is nothing that you can properly do for anybody else that supersedes you. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing. absolutely 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 well jennifer again i am fascinated to be on this road this this journey of self-discovery with you um i appreciate your transparency in this podcast um It's very difficult to have to recount this truth just in the privacy of your own self and in your own place, your own safe place. But to be able to do it with such um, grace and ability to be completely open and, and speak your truth for yourself, I have to tell you how much I admire that about you. So our next podcast will air one week from Monday. Um, and I am super excited about it. And I look forward to talking to you then. All right, Kathleen. Take and care. I'm very happy. All right. I believe that this is going to be a wonderful thing. All right, guys. We will see you the next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Healing You, Healing Me. Um, I pray that something that we've said here has been inspiring to you or a source of encouragement or a source of motivation. Please be sure to join us next week as we can continue with Who Has Jennifer Ann Part 3. Take care. Bye-bye.